Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely as always, and as always I'm joined by my co-host Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how's it going? Hello. Yeah, it's good, thank you. How are you? Not so bad. As is always the case during lockdown, we basically have nothing to say about what we've been up to since last week. But luckily we're joined by overwhelming popular demand by one of our favourite film podcasters, Dakota Arsenault from ContraZoom Pod. Dakota, it's been, what, five, four months, something like that? It's been a long time uh, since we had you on. How have you been filling your days? Uh, The exact same way that you have been. Doing nothing, nothing of yep. note. <laughs> now, yeah. wearing out your pajamas. You said that back by popular demand. Like, is it one of your mothers that loves the Canadian <laughs> accent? Is, is that why it's back by popular demand? As a proportion of the demand hey, that we get, it was who, it was right up there. <laughs> it's us who loves. It was the literally yeah, me telling Hugh and Hugh telling me. <laughs> we don't get enough uh, listener I mean, engagement. I mean, the real question. That is on our lips, Sam. Is how are you? How is your hockey team? Oh yes, doing? the the, the oh. maple on the, and the the syrups or what it is. Was it, <laughs> what, oh, do you remember the name of the, is it the maple leaves? The, the team. I can't remember. That was a team, wasn't it? <laughs> the Maple Leafs, yes, yes. It uh, it's the off-season right Leafs. now. Uh, they're hoping for, uh, they're saying a January 1st start date, but that clearly doesn't look very uh, reachable. <laughs> so we're hoping for a Jan 15 start date. Where we're going to have an all Canadian division because we don't we can't cross the border. <laughs> they can't be trusted. <laughs> so there will be a Canadian civil war next year. It can't be that difficult. I mean, the country's big enough. <laughs> there must be enough hockey players in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, oh! Most of the league is Canadian, but the 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 thing is, only seven of the thirty one teams are Canadian. Oh right! Oh, I see. Like right. the, the the Canadian player. Right. Okay, that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But so it's what it's going to be a league of seven, or are they bringing in more more teams? <laughs> they they would just do it by uh, by divisions, where uh, you would, the division would only play against themselves until the playoffs. So it would be a Canadian season where the seven teams play each other all year, and then. Uh, after you know the first round matchups would be against Canadian teams, the second round same thing, and then the, they would go on to the conference finals against the other one of the other American teams that makes it basically. Uh, yeah. So they they basically split off. Yes, 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 yes. And we never because did that, that way uh, it makes sense. We never did um, two Brits watch hockey podcasts that we we promised you would. There's you, money in that. I think I've seen you know we, NFL is, fan watches Lionel Messi's best moments. Um, then yeah. they get a lot of views. Me, we could just me and Sam could just learn a new sport, <laughs> just learn, just learn hockey. Now, It'd be great. It's, cool it's funny, it. Sam. We were talking about uh, sports movies. Maybe I should oh, yeah. uh, make you guys watch a hockey movie. Well, and if just it's be not like, my do you understand, understand what interested. was happening? <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I think that is. A, I've seen. I've seen that is going to be an upcoming <laughs> an upcoming episode of, of one of our shows. I think sports movies and why they're so. Maybe terrible. we should if we if we if we watch a hockey movie, he has to watch Escape to Victory <laughs> with Pele and his amazing acting. Or Goal Three. <laughs> The worst, the worst oh, of the, the I've only I'm seen goal one. I just didn't. I just didn't think I, had, I didn't have it, it, in, it in me to watch it's, two more. It's like a joke, you know. It's like they, it's like they're joking <laughs> with the audience of how bad they can make this uh, one. I just like it in the first one where the manager's meant to be German, but he's basically Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird time in the cultural history, um, but we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about Dakota yeah, and a great film, uh, Before Sunrise, which was uh, recommended by Dakota, actually. I'd never seen it, actually. 
and uh, Dakota was um, highly influenced to do this episode because he's just purchased uh, the Criterion Collection version of uh, Before Sunrise. Uh, now, um, yeah, uh, how many how many Criterion Collection uh, DVDs have we got uh, now? Is it, is it in the hundreds or the thousands? No, no, probably only five. They are they are kind of expensive. <laughs> uh, I did just order two because they're they're having a sale right now. So I got um, Fantastic Mr. Fox in the Grand Budapest Hotel. They have not shown up yet, so I'm I'm very angry. But I figure there's probably a backlog with you know order sales making more orders and of course with everything shipping probably takes longer these days of course so with one the, day with the, I mean, the collection is it uh, it's not so much to do with how well it's remastered and the sound qualities it's more about the essentially it's about the cover and the the prestige of having it <laughs> no <laughs> the so they do what are you buying <laughs> i'm not even sure what criterion collection is to well i think Sam, perfect time for you, you to, to check out my history of criterion episode that ah, i did see, uh, to, but uh, to to. how many episodes is that uh, that that was that was back in the summer. I, I can't remember the exact uh, the exact episode it was off the top of my head. But uh, but essentially, with Criterion's, is they usually are remastering films. They do do new releases. So like earlier this year, they put out The Irishman and, and Parasite and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but yeah. for the most part, they're re-releasing older films. So yeah. there's things like. Um, a ton of special features that they include that you can't get anywhere else. If it's like a super old movie, like from the forties where everyone involved in it is now dead, they'll usually like have like uh, a critics commentary or, or something like that, or a documentary about the making of it or whatever it is. But yeah, a, a big part of it is the artwork where that really draws in a lot of people for the most part, almost every single release has as custom brand new artwork which is usually very gorgeous and somehow tied to the, the look and feel of the movie. So this for the before trilogy, yeah. it's all watercolor look and very like lovely French. to look at. <laughs> very French. <laughs> Viennese. <laughs> Viennese, yes, yes. Well, very nice. So it's got some but it's got some existential angst to it as well. <laughs> yes, they've, they've yeah, captured yeah. it. It is beautiful yeah. artwork, isn't it? And is that yeah. that's the whole well, trilogy you've got, or do you have three separate ones? One for each? no, it, it is the the whole trilogy. I know, I know, listeners can't see this, but I'm I'm opening it up to to show you. And <laughs> oh, so yeah, so that's them. Oh, there you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I, I love so the, the box sets. They're gorgeously packaged. I really want to get the Godzilla one, which has I think it's like twenty of the Godzilla movies, oh and like it's literally bigger than most bookcases. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's like in, you buy all the James that, Bond films twenty thousand dollars something in that kind of region <laughs> yeah it's pretty expensive yeah so you say about the documentaries are they made by Criterion or are they just they found a relevant documentary for uh, sometimes a little bit of column A column B so so depending on what it is they can get the rights for different stuff depending on when it was made and who it was by in this uh, I checked out some of the special features uh, and they did have like a special interview with uh, with Linklater Richard Linklater the director mm-hmm. and Ethan Hawke that was filmed at the Criterion offices so they do sometimes include mm-hmm. original special features like that but uh, but often it's usually collected from other places as well that's great. So yeah, if you are interested in, in learning more, listener, check out Contra Zoom Pod. It's uh, there's a whole history of it, as well as A twenty four, which me and Hugh were properly introduced to really with uh, with this podcast last year when we did Midsummer. He's acting like he knows all about it. He was just as surprised well, as I've I was when we looked A24 at A twenty four films. I just didn't realise that they were as, they were specific and that they like, were as I've good as production they are. company. Sam, <laughs> you know, I'm aware of what they do, but I don't think like, you were aware of was, the significance of how good they were. 
I think I think let's be honest. I wasn't aware of the specific like films they had made when I, until we looked. Yeah, at the list you were as surprised as I were that like, oh but my gosh, like, these are all A twenty four films. But I wasn't unaware <laughs> who A twenty four were. And then of course this it was this week, wasn't it? The neon neon uh, films. It did. It did ago. just drop. Yes. Uh, so by the time this comes out, that will still be my most recent episode. Although the next one coming up is going to be uh, our neon films ranked. Oh, excellent! So excellent. more talking neon about what we actually, what I actually think about the releases, because the history I try to remove myself completely as far as any judgmental thoughts of do I like or dislike <laughs> the film. It's great. There's personal biases. Yeah, absolutely. There's a good. There's a good combination of things, and a lot of great returning guests. And I was listening to the end of decade uh, review. I think it was a two parter uh, the other mm-hmm. day, and that was that was really good. And I th- am I th- am I right in saying that you got the master as your number one of the 2010s? Uh, that that was my number one pick. Your yes, personal yeah. one, and then yes, Inside Out. So she she will be surprised to know that I'm not alone in saying that Inside Out was the best film of the decade. Uh, that oh, that was a panel right. of film people <laughs> all unanimously agreed. I think he said unanimously. They all put it as first. Um, they agreed that Inside Out was, hey, without look, doubt, the best film of the 2010s. Look, Sam, people <laughs> voted for the Nazis, all right? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about Inglorious <laughs> Bastards here. <laughs> Ugh, that oh. film annoys me. I'm not going to talk he's, about he's it. He's a history guy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's my favourite Tarantino. <laughs> uh, you know what? You can make a you can make a film set in World War II. That's fine. But don't have, like, the main characters kill Hitler. That's just not on. <laughs> it's just silly. It's just like, well, these if these characters did exist, this is what would happen. And it's like, no, it wouldn't have. They're tying up loose ends. <laughs> No one really knows what happened in that bunker. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. We might in the future because I've actually not seen it all the way through. Another one of those weird, somehow haven't seen all the way through films. So we'll do that in the future. For today, we're going to be talking about Before Sunrise, the 1995, as Dakota said, Richard Linklater, uh, written and directed, I believe. Is that, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. film starring two characters who both have names, but none of the other characters do. So they're the two named characters, Ethan Hawke and The eponymous Sam. <laughs> He's an American, she's a French, um, and they meet on a train uh, going to Vienna. And they have a meet-cute. It's this amazing, spontaneous, lovely thing. They realise that they only really have a day together, so they can't get too close. So they might as well just enjoy their enjoy their day together. It's this like ultra, well, mostly ultra real look at what first dates and love connections are really like and then we are spoilerific um so if you haven't seen the film go and watch it uh then it's well in fact i won't spoil it right now but it's chose their their night and do they decide to stay in touch or, or not so dakota you're here as a fan of the film are you is it is it really up there as one of your favorite films or was it just this was a perfect timing with you getting the uh the criterion uh, a little bit of both. You know, I, I had never seen them before and I wasn't really aware of the trilogy until the third one came out. And I and I, I know you guys haven't seen either of the other ones, right? That's right. No. Then, you know, it's best if you really kind of don't know what's going on because I think they do such a great job of not exactly moving the story ahead as you would just regularly assume it would. So I'm going to completely leave out uh, before uh, sunset and before midnight. That is completely irrelevant. But that would be great. This original movie, I went back to it, and, and my wife and I watched all three of them in, in short order. And it's just one of those movies where I'm, you know, you ask me what kind of movies I like, I dislike. 
I'll say romantic comedies, I don't like. I normally find them too <laughs> cliche, too ridiculous. The scenarios aren't believable. Mm. The love, you know, you, you have a couple the whole time fighting with each other in the very end being like, no, I love you. No, I love you. <laughs> forever. We're to be together forever. <laughs> Despite the fact that you killed my poodle <laughs> in a hilarious yet gruesome way. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been like super reticent to watch anything that has like romantic in the title mm -hmm. you know romantic drama romantic comedy whatever it is and, and finally after hearing enough about these movies and praise for them it's just one of those things where it's like all right you know what fine i'll give it a shot where i'll watch before sunrise and just see sort of where it goes and you know it and i don't want to besmirch anyone that does like those kinds of movies but it's almost like doing a disservice by saying it's a romantic drama romantic yes yeah. movie sort of thing like that because it really isn't there's so much more this is this is just two people sharing their life experiences with each other and you're seeing naturally what happens mm -hmm. when two people have some sort of a connection and how that unfolds in almost real time. I'm not going to say this is real time, but the fact that, you know, it's, a, it's an hour and a half movie, it takes place over six hours, let's say, 12 hours maybe, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's as close to real time as you can get without getting to the types of movies that are like uh, hyper-specific, where it's like, this movie takes place exactly two hours in the life of this person <laughs> sort of thing. An episode of 24. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was which was 43 minutes long. <laughs> With ads. Yeah. That's when you manage to use the bathroom and have a little micro-sleep. <laughs> little nap. Yeah, so what, what do you like about this film specifically then, Dakota? What is it that you go, oh, I really like this film? I just think it is so naturalistic in the way they talk to each other. You know, you've got these little awkward moments where you don't really know what to say, uh, where you're kind of feeling along. You don't want to be too eager with how much you might be interested in a person because what if they reject that and you kind of put yourself out there and that's the last thing you want is to put yourself out there and to be turned down. And you sense all these little tiny little sparks where you just don't know what to say and then you're like, should I go for it? Should I not go for it? <laughs> and when they do go for it, you're just like, oh, yes, I, I, I understand that. <laughs> and I think, you know, Ethan Hawke and, and Julie Delvey are both very attractive people, but they're not like superstar Hollywood sex mm -hmm. symbol, uber glamorous. Like Ethan Hawke, I think we all probably knew a guy that kind of looked like that in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> with his kind of messy hair. There's a couple of Dylans out hair. there that look exactly like that. <laughs> Matt yeah. and his brother Kevin. His, it's, you know, weird, it's weird because he's not—he's he's an attractive man and he's charming, but yeah, right, he's not a stunningly handsome kind of guy, is he? Mm -hmm. and, and of course, Julie Delphi is very beautiful, but not in the same way that you're like, oh, you know, I can't wait to see a hundred-foot poster in the middle of Times Square <laughs> sort of thing of this woman with showing off her legs or whatever. She's she's definitely got that sort of like intriguing French sexiness to her, mm -hmm. which is very different. Uh, and I think the other thing that, that really drew me to this is it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of how I met my wife and we went on our first date where it was a date that lasted probably about seven or eight hours. You know, it was, uh, we, we, I, I invited her out to go to a baseball game. And so we did that and then the game ended and we're like, uh, all right, uh, let's walk around a little bit. So we walked around yeah. the downtown area and then we went and we got something to eat and we walked around some more and then we went and stopped for some ice cream and we found a park and we hung out there for a little bit and we just kind of like didn't want the date to end and yeah. it just sort of remind me a little bit of this where it's just like all right well let's just keep going and see where the night takes us and so you know is this something where the the baseball game started at one in the afternoon and i think it was after dinner time by the time we ended up splitting up that night and 
that's sort of how I sort of see this movie as well, where you you just with these people who just don't want to separate from one another. It's amazing, isn't it? As you you watch a film like this, and you really feel like. I mean, and this happened, you know, I was six, we were all five, six or seven when this film came out, so this stuff happened before we were of a, like, romantic dating kind of age, but it really, I was, we had a, a very similar story with, you know, me and my fiance. it was a case of we met on the London North Bank and then went to the South Bank and bought a book for each other and drank some fruity cider and just walked and walked and, yeah, similar kind of thing, you know. Is that code for white light? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, it, and you sort of go, oh, well, surely that I'm the first person this has happened to. It's like when you first experience love or what seems like love when you're very, very young and you you just feel like your parents don't understand, your friends don't understand, I'm the first person that's ever felt this way. Uh, and mm-hmm. there, there is, they're saying things that you almost word for word said <laughs> at some point in your life. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, is that, is, so that that is is the personal connection to your experience what makes you enjoy the film, or is that more that it's a complement to the film of how well it captures that sort of that sort of environment, that sort of scenario? Definitely, I think it, it's a, it's a complement to it. I, I think you know this is this is a movie about human interaction, uh, something I think we're all sort of dying for in these COVID <laughs> days where we're stuck inside most of the time as much as possible. But the, this human interaction where you can understand little micro things that are going on that you can't really tell over a phone call or over a a Skype or Zoom call or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, where you can kind of see something in someone's eye and the way they're reacting to you in person. It's just those little tiny moments that make up the whole movie because this is essentially one long conversation throughout the movie. That's all it is. They, they go to a store, they have a conversation. They go for a drink, they're having a conversation. They're walking through the park, they have a conversation. That's all it is. And how do we interact with one another while having these conversations is what really sort of hits the deepest in this human connection that we all so crave. So yeah, deep. because you're not watching it to see what happens to them next. You're just watching to see what the plot they doesn't say matter. next yeah. and how they connect. Yeah, it mm. doesn't matter. The, the plot is the setup and then it ends <laughs> an hour and a half later really. <laughs> uh, and I completely agree and I, and I really I really love and respect films that can do that I don't know if you've ever seen um, My Dinner with Andre no I have not no, but I, I have seen clips actually. from it yes and that is you know it's literally a, a conversation in a restaurant for mm-hmm. I think about 90 minutes that somehow feels cinematic you know uh, so cinematic that our favorite my favorite our the whole show's favorite show community uh, managed to spoof really well and somehow got the vibe mm-hmm. across and it's a really really wonderful uh, wonderful film and I do like it so what this. about you Sam then what makes you yeah really I agree, like I, I agree with all those things and, and I, uh, did you like this fi- actually the question should be did you, did you <laughs> oh like yeah it's film, sort of just really? assumed I'd like this film isn't it yeah because yeah, I just assumed by we? default I'm recommending yeah. it no I, I really love this yeah. film yeah so it's uh, I really love this film and uh, just echoing everything that Dakota said really about how it feels improvised I had to look up is it improvised but uh, according to the whole cast I say no I mean it's a really lovely compliment when people say it's improvised but it was painstaking <laughs> every little mm-hmm. overlapped conversation and so on um, what I really like as well is uh, these like coming of age tomorrow will be different kind of films like American Graffiti super bad where it's like tomorrow you're going to go off to college or this is going to happen or 25th hour you know tomorrow you're going to have to go to prison basically um (laughs) so it's about the night Uh, and i quite like that Uh, and that sort of yeah real time aspect but condensed real time aspect which was which was really good um i watched it with my 
partner and one of the things she said she really liked was that they do have these fundamental differences you can totally see where the cracks would appear in their relationship days into actually committing to a relationship together you know and it, some of them do parallel some of the kind of timeless differences between men and women in a kind of cliched stereotype way how she's kind of taken in by the romanticism of the um the palm reader whereas he's kind of cynical and skeptical about it and my partner literally yes. said that is you you've said that exactly <laughs> and i completely agree with him yeah she's a shyster <laughs> and, the, and and um celine is just taken in by it because she compliments her basically and says some nice things but she's a fucking shyster and a scam artist <laughs> with a twinkle in her eye um <laughs> and uh, and yeah like like you said dakota about you know the little the little micro interactions i think i don't know i i assume it might end up being your favorite scene where they're in the the listening booth and they're sort of looking at each other just as the other one's looking away and you kind of go, oh, is he going to lean in? You know, this that that beautiful tension before you have your first kiss with somebody where you go, am I reading the signs here or am I going to look like a fucking idiot when they, when they <laughs> recoil? Mm. <laughs> I, I, I won't say that's my favourite scene. I'll save that for later. But I, I would say yeah. that, you know, both the listening booth scene and the... Uh, the Ferris wheel scene where both Mm. of it is a will they or won't they kiss sort of moment going on where I I think as a viewer, if you're connecting with this movie, you absolutely get taken back to this feeling of when you're starting a relationship before you have your first kiss in that sort of like uneasy tension in a way that like a thriller or a horror movie can also give you that sort of uneasy (laughs) tension in a very different way. But you understand that, whereas it's like, oh, oh, is he going to do it? Is it? Are they going to mess it up? Is he going to, mm-hmm. you know, lean in and she's going to reject him? Like, what's going to happen with this? And you just like have that knot in your stomach, that bottomless pit. And, and I yeah. feel like somehow I've never seen a movie that's been able to actually visualize that feeling like this one has. So this this romantic thriller um, before surprise, yeah, no, I absolutely agree because because he's always on the cusp of saying something that's just going to put her off because they mm-hmm. they have this wonderful connection but they're not one hundred percent right for each other and he's he's always just slightly pushing her buttons a little bit because um, he's quite American and, and forward and stuff and she's a bit taken aback by that she clearly like confesses a few times that she finds Americans basically vulgar and she doesn't really like them <laughs> um, so you do feel like he's just going to step over it a little bit too much but. Uh, no, it's a wonderful film. Um, are there any things that you think Hugh wouldn't like about it or anything that puts you off or might put him off? Uh, at times, the, the movie can be a little cynical, especially from, from Ethan Hawke's character's perspective where, you know, sometimes you get into a, a really nice rhythm and then he kind of sticks his foot in his mouth a little bit. There, there's a <laughs> but couple you're talking about Hugh here. Hugh is the Ethan Hawke character. <laughs> I think he probably most relates to him in the same way that I do. <laughs> Maybe. Well, then, you know what the flip side is? If uh, if Hugh doesn't like this, it's because he doesn't have a heart. <laughs> we've, we've established that he has got a swinging I, brick. Oh, yeah, apparently Sam inside. believes I'm basically yeah, dead inside, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, I'm, I'm effectively a corpse. <laughs> According to Sam. Just, just haven't <laughs> stopped moving yet. <laughs> <laughs> Very deep. We'll find yourself. out. We'll find out. We're going to go for Is a there anything... Break. Oh, sorry, go Just before we go, to the, just, what do you think I might not like about Sam? Oh, yeah, true. Kind of... Um... There is a, know me a little better than perhaps Dakota. <laughs> there is a, uh, there's a, negative, a vaguely negative review I'll, I'll mention more later that basically says that it just get maybe boring is not the word, but eventually they just get a bit tired of the format. And it's possible that you switched off uh, mentally, not actually turning the film off, um, because it is more than an hour and a half of just talking and walking. Possibly you switched off, but I don't think I don't think you're that sort of view. I do think you'd have enjoyed it. I. I don't think you'll like it as much as Boyhood, but that is a very high 
barrier you know i think that was my first 10 out of 10 mm. um of the films you recommended to me but i, I think i yeah. think you're going to be pretty pretty strong on this i think you're going to enjoy it mm. well we'll find out after the break won't we? we certainly will join us after the break listener for hugh's views hello and welcome back to please watch this we're ready we're the breath, the breath couldn't be bated uh, for Hugh's views. <laughs> Hugh, what did you like about this 1995 film by Richard Linklater before Sunrise? Or didn't like? Well, as you know, <laughs> I uh, say again, sorry, Dakota, I missed what you said. What did you say, Dakota? Or didn't like. Mm. Oh, or didn't like. Oh, yeah. We'll indeed. start with the good stuff. Could be, could... We, always start, we always start with the good yeah. stuff. We, uh, we're, We've got a sunny disposition. We review... We we review positive and then we go, and then, we go <laughs> and then you twist the knife. Negative, yeah. Then we, yeah. yeah. Um, so as you know, like Sam mentioned earlier, I am a, like a big Boyhood fan with that Richard Linklater film. I think it's amazing. Quite frankly, it is a, like a genuinely brilliant film. Um, and yeah, with this, what I really liked was it's it's a good it is it's a romance film, isn't it? It's not a rom com. It's a romance film. It's about two people essentially falling in love over the course of like you know eight to twelve hours or something like that from when they first meet to when they have to leave and you know they have to say their goodbyes so yeah I really like I like that I think the two leads have great chemistry together um that's something that's very important I mean how often do you watch like an action film where suddenly the the protagonist is like kissing the the female (laughs) protagonist and you're like those two like have nothing they're just the best looking people (laughs) on the film so they're best yeah yeah Yeah, like i think one of those the best examples of that is the matrix the first matrix film Mm. where him and trinity have like no chemistry (laughs) (laughs) i sort of forgot they were an item actually until you said that i mean it's an integral part of the second and third but Jesus yeah, Christ. I think in the second and the third, they actually do a better job of you actually believing that these two people are in love. But uh, in that, no. So yeah, I like that. Um, that you know, they you, you you believe these two are falling in love in front of you. I think that's that's important, and you do. And at the end, you do feel it when they have to split up because you realise that neither of them actually wants to not see the other. They want to carry on seeing each other, um, even though they promised that it would just be the night. Um, and it's very, yeah, it's very well acted. Um, I think Julie Delpy in particular, she's she's just got little mannerisms. Like when she's sat on the tram, she's fiddling with a ring on her hand. And, it, and it, you know, it shows that like little pensive tension that's, you know, or apprehension that they both might have at that point. It's very endearing um, as well, isn't it? I remember Richard Curtis saying, you know, if the audience don't want to sleep with your leading man, then you're doing something wrong. And you do get charmed by these two, you know... Yeah, through the film. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, um, I so I enjoyed that. That it's kind of like, you know, the the acting's very good. The the dialogue is very well written. It's it is it does come across as it comes across as natural, but it does a you can tell it's scripted. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pretend that you can't tell it's scripted because they sometimes just go into little soliloquies of elegance that I don't oh, think that's true, yeah. some people have at times. Um, I was thinking the more that, more the more incidental dialogue or reacting to to things. I, I see your point there. Yeah, d- definitely the the huge yeah. theses that he has about yeah, like the bit where he like on when he convinces her to um, come off the train with him That's and go around Vienna for the night. That it's a really great line, but it's also it's like 
Yeah, that sounds to me. That sounds like something that he's gone. Oh, I wish I'd said yeah, that. Now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. while he's walking around this that's art gallery. That's the great gallery. thing about these love connections. That the the people who end up marrying. That was like the one time that you actually just did that thing. You know, you did give them yeah. that speech that you would have otherwise rehearsed in the shower. Uh, otherwise, if you uh, if you didn't, do <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, you could, yeah, you, yeah, it could be you captured that moment. And it made me think about this film. Kind of compared it to a film that came out around the same time. It might have been a year later. But have either of you seen The English Patient with yeah. uh, Ralph Fiennes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fiennes and that's been, and that Gosh, won loads of Oscars. Oh yeah, it came out a year later actually. So I might be doing it a bit of a disservice here. But that film came out a year after this one. And it's it was seen at the time, wasn't it? If you remember, it was like one of those of Oscars, as I mentioned. It was very, it was seen as this big romantic film. And I must admit, like, when you compare the two, this is far more romantic than the film ever was. <laughs> like, but nobody's, nobody's that, horribly disfigured in this. So what are you talking about, Hugh? No. And nobody's... <laughs> and two love storylines aren't simultaneously running in front of your eyes, are they either, I suppose? And, yeah, there's no Juliet Binochet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it made me think, like, that won loads of awards and was really well-received, where this... I think it's a really... Yeah, I, I'm a fan of Richard Linklater. This is a really well-made yeah, film. Yeah. It is... I, it, it, that's... You, I believe that they're, they're actually, like, falling in love. Where, with other films, I'm not... You're not... Like I said, you're not convinced. And that's and that's what I think the heart of this film is, that you believe it rather than... Like, I, I, I finished watching it and I was like, oh, yeah, that was a film that they filmed over, like, probably a couple of months in Vienna rather than, you know, one night. <laughs> you know, that's... And I had to kind of, like, you know, adjust my reality setting, so mm. to speak. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it does take I, it. And and on the realism front, um, one thing that my partner Nick really liked, she said that she, he loved. She loved that he didn't like meet her in Paris. Like the last shot wasn't him stood at the gate, like cap in hand, or running into the departures lounge and like you know and declaring yeah. his love. It was just real. Which another director would have done it that way. Definitely, yeah. Like like you said to Kurt about rom coms. So often they fall into all these mm-hmm. very tired old tropes and, and the best rom-coms are the ones that create those tropes in the first place or smash them like when harry met sally or crazy stupid love or something like that mm-hmm. but i i literally wrote that in my notes i said it it's good that it ends in the morning some films would give you the extra scene where they meet up six months later yeah. or like you said she would turn up at the airport asking him to come to paris or vice versa or and they all lived happily ever after like in the big castle yeah I think one thing that I did think about it though is this film could have only have been made like before maybe (laughs) 1999 (laughs) yeah because as soon as you put mobile phones in it It they've got Facebook they've got Twitter (laughs) they can they can Instagram each other and they you know that that connection's kept where this was literally a time you know they spend they they put a lot they labour a lot to be like oh well people never stay in touch when they meet each other romantically like this in on like in on holiday essentially yeah when they've got to send letters um, now I want yeah. to ask you guys a bit about the ending there like uh, we talked about if it was you know a different director or a different movie they would show the last scene of them getting together six months later instead mm-hmm. we get this shot where you know the whole time they're avoiding the conversation of can we see each other again and then finally you know in the last minutes of the movie they say yes I want to see you again yeah. like did that revelation hit you both hard because like for me every like i've seen this movie a couple times now every time i see that moment it's like 
the flood of emotions that come out is like, yes, thank you. I'm glad they finally said what they wanted to say the whole time, but we're too worried about offending the other sensibilities or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, and and firing mm. first, you know, what is it from Peep Show? Saying I love you first is like firing first than a jewel. If you miss, you're fucked. And uh, yeah. it had a much more weight to it because it felt authentic and real rather than this, you know, running through security at an airport thing that's uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. no longer dramatic. Yeah, because in life, that's probably more likely what would happen. You know, you would get on that flight home, you know, because you've got commitments. She would go back to university because she's got commitments. You know, she's not going to suddenly dump school and go to America. I think think that's good. Um, So, yeah, on all those levels, yeah, I think it's... So, yeah, it... It's much better than the English Patient in terms of its romance <laughs> and its showing of that, which is a touchstone for that genre, I think, like you said. Um, so what I didn't like about it, I was, I'm not going to lie, and maybe this was just, I was a little bit tired when I was watching it, this because I watched it this afternoon and I didn't sleep too much last night, so I was, I was a bit tired, I'm not going to lie. Um, I was just a little bit bored. I think the film's maybe a little too long. I think they they could have cut out maybe fifteen minutes of this and still was there a moment conveyed. The... Um, I think I caught myself around with like an hour to go and being like, oh, there's still an hour left of this really? film. And I felt yeah. like I could have watched this another hour after that. Yeah, but I mean, one thing I do, one thing I would say that is good about this film though is that I really now want to watch the sequel because, like you said, because it doesn't give you that sense of real closure that most rom-coms would well, romantic films would sorry that you do want to watch the next one in this next installment I, I do now you know we're getting you back on Dakota because we're watching <laughs> before sunset or, or whatever it's called yeah I'll be, I'll be very happy to come back for that if we want to do the whole trilogy uh, oh, yeah, in, in, yeah, in that yeah. case without knowing anything about it what are either of your thoughts what do you think happens do you think they meet up in six months do you think they don't like no uh, i couldn't but help read the synopsis for the next film I oh they don't myself. say anything uh, all i know uh, is that it, that it's not made a year after and that there's a sizable chunk between this one and the next one and the one after that and uh i'm th- yeah i mean after watching this film if i didn't know there were two sequels made nearly a decade after each time I would have thought, yes, they're, they're going to meet up a year later or six months later. Now I'm not sure if they run into each other in a post-mobile phone era and, you know, reignite the fire and basically meet each other again or or something. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thoroughly mean, intrigued. For me, I became aware of the, the first film of this because I, I, th- I used to... There's a, um, I don't know if they have it in Canada, but there's uh, Empire Movie Magazine and mm-hmm, I used mm-hmm. to get that every now and then when I was a teenager and I think one of the ones the only few I bought was uh, this film was like reviewed the second film was reviewed in it so I kind of that's how I knew about the first one okay um, but yeah so but yeah like I said I read the synopsis so I kind of know sort of what's going to happen in <laughs> the second one that blows my mind that you just read the synopsis of the it, next one <laughs> uh, it annoyed the hell out of me I couldn't help it it wasn't like a spot it wasn't the synopsis it was like the, the blurb or whatever yeah, you know, not the actual plot outline on Wikipedia. No, it wasn't like then they go here, <laughs> then they go there, then they. I mean, by the way, shall we just say now? Um, why have neither? Well, 
obviously you're none of neither of you to a single anymore but i'm definitely at some point going down and sitting by a canal and pretending to write poetry to <laughs> as hot girls pass that by that guy must do all right yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, he's got his little a... act his little fringe and his little cigarette and, and the same like he's homeless he's not homeless. <laughs> he's got a leather jacket on <laughs> he's just drunk yeah. but again but nice. again um, jess is totally right he did not write that poem in that moment he stuck the word <laughs> in milkshake and rhymed yeah. it and that uh, and it's a beautiful poem and he should get a few but yeah it doesn't matter though yeah it's still beautiful it's a good story (laughs) so there was one other thing i wanted to mention before we move on and about maybe something i didn't like and it was that celine complains about having a nice loving middle class upbringing with supportive parents (laughs) like it was properly first world problems yeah and she's like and he was going up oh, I don't want to do what people want for me and all this. And <laughs> I was I was actually sat thinking, going, oh, I wish I'd watched this film maybe 10 years ago mm. when I was around the age that these characters are meant to be. Because being a bit older than those characters now, I'm just like, <laughs> Grow up, yourself. get a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit like that, you know. Like, the romanticism wasn't lost on me. I, I, I genuinely, like, this would be a film that if you were to, like, you did you both watch this First time with your partners? I did, yeah. I think you did yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that must have been a lovely night because this film is, you know, if you're not making out by the end of this film, <laughs> I, think de- I think you are dead inside. <laughs> oh, another thing I did like about this film, which I forgot to write down, was I like the fact that they don't kiss at the very end of the yeah. film. It's like 40 minutes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's very romantic and all that. And I, I really, I enjoyed that sensibility of, oh no, these people have a connection. It's, watch them they they realize it they act on it and then they explore it for the next hour basically yeah because which I because their better. first kiss isn't isn't the most dramatic it's their decision to see each other again and and, and break all those rules um, let's move seamlessly and swiftly into um favorite scenes Dakota as the esteemed guest you get the the honor here what would you say is your favorite scene of this film this is tough because I had a few different contenders, whether it was, you know, the, the listening booth scene or the um, Ferris wheel scene or even walking along the, the riverbank scene. But I think in the end, uh, my favorite one is probably the uh, boat scene mm. uh, where they're having dinner on this boat restaurant sort of thing. Uh, just for some reason, that one just sort of, I think the conversation, they'd known each other well enough by that point and, and i think it, it it just sort of the conversation just flows so nicely and they're yeah. they're able to mm-hmm. kind of both talk about in the moment what's happening and simultaneously dance around the subject of what's going to happen in the future and so i think they do a really good job of, of balancing those two whereas other scenes focus either ignoring the future or only being the future um Shoot, actually, you know what? I uh, I said the wrong scene. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I realize I messed that up. Sorry, but it is where they. Um, it is, it is where he decides. I mean, this is this is always the case with this show. There's something supernatural. I'm always watching the film in the background, and literally that scene is on, and he's just said. Uh, no delusions. We'll just make tonight great, and it is in this yeah. scene where they make that decision, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I apologize. So, That's a wrong favorite scene. My my actual favorite no, scene. No, that's fine. What is it? <laughs> my, my favorite scene in this movie would be uh, the the restaurant where they do the fake phone calls. Oh yeah, just come in and steal yeah, my so, scene if you want. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. I had that as well. That's fine. <laughs> Do we both have that? No, I completely. So we that's all had mine that as, as well. What, what was it that you loved about yeah. the uh, 
the the restaurant scene? It, it was probably the funniest scene out of all of them, mm-hmm. and and I think they just do do such a good job of of showing us who these characters really are. And so you know, uh, Celine starts off by calling her friend, explaining why she's late for meeting for lunch, and she's talking in French. And you know, Jesse, who's pretending to be her friend, <laughs> is like, you know what? I, I'm just uh, learning English. Can we practice <laughs> the English as a cute little way to to get her to switch up? And as realistic, you know, you're yeah. you're. You're talking, uh, I believe, what was it on on the last episode where you're talking about the the language um, not being in English or something like that. I feel like I'm, I'm confusing um, something. Was this so Black no. Klansman and then what was before that? Was it Black Klansman or was it? A... No, you know I'm. No, sorry, I'm thinking of something else. I'm, I'm confusing your show oh. with another podcast, which is is terribly <laughs> embarrassing. My my mind I'm is sure so scattered the world podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it has a nice little conceit to be able to get her to speak English, yeah. and then when when he does his, you know, they're able to complement each other in ways that they wouldn't be able to do it yes. naturally. You know, you can't say, oh, on a first date, I really like your eyes. I think the way you do something this way is really beautiful and cute and I'm falling for you. You can't really just go out and say that because that's embarrassing to say that. <laughs> and so they, they get around that by pretending to talk to their yeah. friends and being like, oh, yeah, I like the way he does this. You know, it makes me giddy. Oh, I like when she does this. It turns me on. And, and doing that conceit works so well. I completely agree. And there's a great Louis C.K. bit where he says, you know, if you look at a guy who's on a first date, he's like 20 different types of people. He's been like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like trying to act like tough, but also he's really sensitive and he's and he's, he's trying to get across his entire CV of what he is as a man mm-hmm. in every interaction. Um, and you're right. They, they can't, they have to be a bit cool. They have to be a bit coy. They can't be full on and they, that, that they get it across there. And it's a wonderful conceit to do that, um, to see mm-hmm. them in a different, it's like seeing your partner, with their friends for the first time, you get to see them being a different version of themselves or, or something like that. Uh, and it, yeah, it was just a wonderful, a wonderful way for them to show that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the same. That was my favorite scene of the yeah. film. Oh, that's good. It's, it probably is that, and maybe the, the end scene are probably the two best scenes in the film. Although I do like the bit in the beginning in the train when they're just talking like as strangers, if that makes sense, rather than, romantic couple that's quite interesting oh, they're still trying to feel each um, other out of, of what works and what doesn't work yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what about you Samo what yeah, was your favourite scene it's that scene it's the uh, it's oh, the yeah, vehicles said, yeah. and it's uh, as Dakota said it's the funniest one and it's it's very telling uh, and, and there's some beautiful moments yeah. and there's some beautiful scenes I mean for, for laughs them talking to the two guys in Vienna who are putting on the play with the cow <laughs> was yeah. just I love that scene that's when I that's when I realised I was going to love this film I think it's genuinely hilarious that scene with the mm-hmm. rude German going what is it, the Dutch? yeah he's like no no I was just joking <laughs> of course you know <laughs> no, well, I would have gone to see his <laughs> yeah. I think I think one thing that the movie does really well is I don't know how universal it is I'm going to assume it is where if you've been at a party or something and you meet someone new and it, it doesn't matter if it's just like uh, either you're interested in them or you just like, oh, this is an interesting person to talk to. For some reason, I feel like there's these moments in our lives where we meet someone that we've never met before, and we're totally comfortable sharing intimate details yeah. of our lives that you know some of our best friends or family members don't know. That's what their connection sort of feels like. Is like you're talking about what you're afraid of 
death wise and what you think you're going to be yeah. like as an old person. And like, I don't have those conversations with, with my best friends regularly. <laughs> That's something where, you know, you, you meet someone and for some reason you just click with them over a drink and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to say something really weird right now and <laughs> you're going to understand it. Well, there's a, there's an actual, um, there's a psychological experiment like this where they put two strangers across the table from each other. It's by a person called Arthur Aaron. And they're given a list of about 50 questions, I think. And the questions start pretty surface level. And it might be things like... Oh, is know, this where they start getting really, they yeah, start getting really deep? It's just grad- I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's like it's gradual, mutual self-exposure. You know, it's just the, the, the deeper they go. Because it will start with things like, you know, who would you invite to your dream dinner party? And it ends with things mm. like, you know, are you scared of death? What, you know, what are your biggest fears? What are your biggest hopes and dreams? And... Uh, I don't know the statistics, but some of them end up getting married <laughs> from this experiment. You know, they meet and a lot, you know, they all report warm feelings towards each other, but a, a disproportionate amount end up in relationships. Um, and it is, yeah, like like you said, Dakota, some, I mean, sometimes you'll just be at a party and you're just talking to somebody and you find out that they really like something niche that you really like or they've got a take on it that you've never heard before and you just you just connect. And then, yeah, that's the next 10 hours done. Like your best friends in that for that time together and you might never see them again too like I've, yeah. I've definitely had those weird like super intimate connections with someone and then you just never see or hear from them again that's right sports are really good mm. for that when, you know when you used to be able to go to a pub and, and watch sports i'd have these 90 minute friendships <laughs> you know with like <laughs> living in london uh, as i was before was the same team as yeah you. <laughs> that's it i'd sit in a pub and i'd watch some man united match i'd sit next to someone who's also a man united fan and in fact one of my best friends from london was somebody the pub was was full. There was nowhere else to sit. I sat down, got talking to a guy. That was the first week in London. It was a Man United match. And then through that, ended up playing football with him. Got a job as a result of it. And then he's just a really close friend 10 years later, almost to the day, um, as a result of that. And it is amazing. You just make those connections. Good. Shout out to Dan. I don't think he listens, but... Hi, Dan. It's in the ether now. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. Uh, favourite lines, then? Um, Dakota, again, what would you say was your favourite line? Hmm, looking through my notes again, because I don't want to mess up like I just messed up with the scene. <laughs> uh, probably in the Ferris wheel, where Jesse is awkwardly fumbling around and... and trying to say something that we all know he wants to say and he can't figure <laughs> out the exact words and so Celine just turns to him and says are you saying you want to kiss me and he basically just like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, just the way the two bounce off of each other just works out so perfectly because at that point you're you're ready to yell at your tv just like just lean in and kiss her just tell her i want to kiss you say no. he does like a really awkward like double nod doesn't he? He, he, he desperately doesn't want of... to ruin it but he wants to convey that yes yeah <laughs> he actually reminded me of a friend of mine in that moment um sam you'll know him he reminded me of monty oh, right. <laughs> i feel like that's how monty would behave is he not a, is he not Sorry, much of a ladies man but it's so relatable. Gawky. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's that great... I can't remember the, the YouTuber, but there's that great video of um, how to know if a woman is interested in you. And basically his answer at all moments is, well, you know, you never know. She might not like you. <laughs> and it's just... And it's just a constant... Oh, casually out, explained. Casually explained, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And what if she sleeps with you? Well, you know, maybe she won't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's going through most men's heads when they're in that situation of, should I lean in and kiss her or am I going to ruin this whole thing dead in the water? Yeah, hmm. uh, Hugh, favorite line. Um, I well, I, I picked out the bit 
when he convinces her to come off with him for the day. Oh yeah. And it's so it's not really a line, it's more of a speech of text. So I'm not gonna read it all out. Bless you. Like I usually would because because <laughs> it is quite long. <laughs> but it's just basically um how he convinces her, you know, going, Oh, if you were sat here and you know, if you know, in twenty years time when you're married and you know, think of this as a an opportunity to go back in time yeah. for your future self to see if that guy really was a big loser and you'd made the right well, choice. Do you know what's interesting? I, I really like that. For for years that was Russell Brand's technique, seduction technique. It was always a case of yeah. um you know, well, he lifted it straight from this. Well, he must have done, I think. You know, this would have been about the time that he was courting people. Um, he would, yeah, he'd say things like, you know, 50 years from now, you're going to lose your looks and you're going to be an old lady. You're not going to look back and regret the time that you went off with old Russ, but you might regret the time that you didn't go off. And Nick literally turned to me and said, whenever a man is going to be talking about, like, existentialism and, and the future he's trying to get into your pants <laughs> he's trying to make you worry about death and time running out so we might as well do it because people say you know if the world's going to end in an, in an hour what's the first thing you do I'll just have sex with her whatever you know like there's no consequences you can finally just drop all those barriers <laughs> so yeah no, I, think but I also I also did like the uh, the bit when he's talking about um, when uh, when he's like someone's breaking up with you and it's like you don't really think about them oh, yeah. and you realise they're not thinking about you <laughs> yeah you oh, like that oh, hits you that's insightful oh. yeah <laughs> you seem pained yeah, by really that Dakota that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you Samuel what was your favourite line I found it hard to narrow it down to a line because it is such naturalistic dialogue it's not whip smart mm. Aaron Sorkin stuff but just in terms of its depth... Oh, could you imagine if I were talking in a romantic <laughs> film? I love you. Do you think you love me? Yes, I love you very much. Okay, well then, we need to go and do X, Y, and Z right now. Okay, let's go. It would be the president <laughs> and vice president, okay. wouldn't it? <laughs> in some sort of tryst. The script would be 500 pages weird version of the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Fan fiction of the West Wing. Is that what you want to say? Well, let him write it. Um, I quite like what Celine says when she said, isn't everything we do in life a way to be loved a little more? Um, and it doesn't really land that well with Jesse, but I think just as a as a line, that's pretty deep. I think there's some some depth mm-hmm. to that. Is that the bit though where he ruins it by going, "Oh, I just really want to be good at something." <laughs> yeah. So he he says, "Yeah, sometimes I dream about being a good father and a good husband, but basically, I'd rather have achieved something." And she's like, "Fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to marry this guy. Yeah. I want to be I want to be an astronaut, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a loveless, lonely astronaut up in space, <laughs> floating yeah. in my tin can." Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a great film, and and something Hugh that you introduced last week, um, apropos of nothing, was favorite shot. And so we're going yeah. to continue with this for as long as we remember. Uh, yes. Dakota, what was your favorite shot of the whole film? Which, first off, I just want to say I love the addition. And you guys in Black Klansman saying the, the double dolly zoom oh, at yeah. the very end. Fantastic shot. I think that's like the number one shot most people probably think about with that. Uh, but yeah, this is where well, I confuse I like, well, my... In Black Klansman, I like that it's juxtaposed then. You go outside and you see like the flame against the... Clansman's oh, eyes, yeah, yeah, and the, the the actual like horror that those mm-hmm. actions like sort of elicit and the fear it elicits inside anyone who has this happen to them. But then again, I did also say that it reminded me of that episode of South Park where it's like <laughs> lowercase t, <laughs> 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 the burning to get the middle class people out of the town. <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry, yeah, on, that's, that's this is where I messed up with my with my favorite scene. My favorite shot <laughs> is the is them on the boat, uh, oh, and, and boat. for some reason I just feel like the lighting is really perfect in this, especially when the shot is on uh, Ethan Hawke. You've got all these nice mm. like blue soft lights behind him and the yellow warmth on his face, and it just like makes his blue eyes just absolutely pop. And it's just like a nice still photo of him. And then the reverse shot of, of Celine, uh, it's it's similar, but it's more of, of the yellow lights from the actual boat itself. So it's a different kind of, of warmth to the color. And, and the two of them together, yeah. it just it's like we're, it just looks so magical on both of them. And, the, and you could tell that they're in love with each other and that they've fallen for each other. And, and they're just painted on the screen. That's a really good choice. And cinematography somehow does convey, you know, that like we talked about in sideways the camera seems to be drunk based on the lens they're using in mm. this like you say they're basically the, the 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 camera's in love with the characters because they're in, they're mm-hmm. going in love with each other i think for me um i really like it where they where they're laying in the dark on the lawn um and they're, they're, there's just oh, a yeah. little bit of light that's across them um it's a very nostalgic thing i remember like spending a lot of like evenings out as a teenager just looking at the stars, you know that that old thing of, and then you talk about life, the death, and uh, life, the universe, and everything, sort of, sort of thing. So in terms of just the meaning of the shot was great. I don't know much about cinematography, but I quite liked the way it was lit. All kind of like mm. old fashioned black and white films where you know the, there's just a strip of light across her eyes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of remind yeah. me of that. How about you, Hugh? Mine was actually. Um, it was the series of shots at the very end of the film where you see all the places yeah. that they've been that, oh. that that night, and um, I was torn between that the, the the Ferris wheel like low angle shot looking up at it and the just the, the wooden pallets outside and the back street for some reason I don't know why that yeah. they just the morning of, after kind of uh, vibe yeah kind of resonated with me and I quite liked I quite liked that that bit personally that's great well what we're gonna do we're gonna go for a little break. And when we come back, we're going to get a bit of uh, some numbers on this thing. We'll get some ratings, some critics, and a little bit of a quiz. So, uh, listener, sounds good to me. Join us in about thirty seconds. Hello, and welcome back to the third and final instalment of this episode. We are going to get a bit of critical response on this one. We're going to start with. The only critic for us, if it's pre-2013, Hugh, and that is Roger Ebert. In fact, before we do old Rog, um, what would you say the Metacritic score would be on this film, Hugh? Mm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you never know with stuff like this. The, some people, you know, some meti- uh, some critics might have found it really saccharine or something like that and just been not on board with it at all and given it like a, you know, a, a low rating. I don't know, like 75 maybe? So Kurt, would you say higher or lower than 75? Uh, I would say... You don't get anything for a pair in this game. <laughs> I, I would say higher, but only ever so slightly. I know Linklater was was a pretty well-beloved indie darling at the time, but it's not <laughs> yeah. like this is the most... I feel like it's accessible, but maybe it's not because it's just people talking and not really doing anything else. So I, I, don't, I don't really know. So if it's, if it's higher than 75, it's only just barely. What a team you two make it! Seventy-seven percent. So you there together make the make it get it exactly right. Good team. Um, 
I believe um, well, I, it's not that important for me to check. I'm, I'm sure I saw that it was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. But anyway, let's get into the actual critical response. Little, uh, little old Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. <laughs> gave it a solid three out of four stars um and he describes the scenario of the film and he says this sort of scenario has happened i imagine millions of times it has rarely happened in a nicer sweeter more gentle way than in richard Linklater's before sunrise which i could call a love affair for generation x except that jesse and celine stand outside their generation and especially outside its boring insistence on being bored which is quite interesting they're not very grungy are they uh you know they're not this sort of like cynical bored generation next time there's no hidden agenda in this movie there will be no betrayals melodrama funny violence or fancy choreography and sex scenes it's mostly conversation as they wander the city of vienna from mid-afternoon until the following dawn nobody hassles them before sunrise is so much like real life like a documentary with an invisible camera that i find myself remembering real conversations i had experienced with more or less the same words mm. and as he does so consistently he's he's hit the nail right on the head there hasn't he yeah is that's why he's the best. <laughs> and that's sort of what we were best. talking about earlier is this idea of we've all been in these situations where we've you know had intensely deep conversations with someone we just met whether it's romantic or otherwise and it tends to be about life death meaning sometimes supernatural stuff like palm readers but yeah absolutely seeing your grandma's face <laughs> <laughs> we have a conversation every other week um, slightly less uh, complimentary was Todd McCarthy in Variety gave it 60% he says uh, while it remains sympathetic and appealing the endless dialogue and repetitive settings become wearing through the couple's one long night together and the artifice of the premise may contribute to the difficulty the film has in coming to romantic life um, which was what I thought maybe Hugh might think but and you sort of did didn't you you got a bit wor- a bit bored of it it wore, wore a little bit yeah, but I, I enjoyed my time with these characters. They're not, they're not. They, they, to me, they very much felt like you weren't really watching two characters, though. You felt like you were almost watching the, just the two actors, and they were acting, falling in love. Yeah. Like because they, do, it doesn't even give them like a job. Not, like you don't find like you know she studies, but you don't know what she studies. He doesn't even say what he does for a living. Um, you know, he just talks about people's expectations. Yeah, and it's good. They're, uh, they're quite blank it's good canvases. That the to it knows when to expose it and when not to bother, <laughs> really, I suppose, in that sense. And I yeah. think it was... And that's quite naturalistic yeah, definitely. as well, isn't I think it? it was in Save the Cat where uh, Blake Snyder said that, um, not to give it another plug, uh, they said that, you know, a lot of young filmmakers are basically just trying to copy Tarantino by saying, well, I had this really good conversation with my mates, so I'll just write that and that'll be a really interesting scene. And it rarely is. Uh, I don't know how people like Tarantino and people like Linklater in this film get away with it and it's and it's great, <laughs> you mm. know? Um, they might just use really good actors. <laughs> that's definitely part of it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It? I suppose it's always got to be driving the story and the and the development and the and the relationships. But I don't I don't agree with that review. No, I think they've got no, that wrong. But it's a, it's it is better than it's an understandable uh, point of view. Let's get into your ratings. Uh, the most important reviewers for us for us all. Apologies for me making a huge noise there on the microphone. Um, just dropping my phone, um, Dakota. In honour of the fact that you weren't confident you were going to remember the beer that he was going to order how many old mill walkies out of <laughs> 10 would you give this film 
<laughs> uh, I, I, I really I really do love this movie, but I wouldn't classify as one of my favorite all times. But I'd still probably give it a, an eight old Milwaukee's out of ten. That's a very strong score, yeah. I think eight's a, a good one. I would agree. Possibly notching it to an eight point five. Hugh, I'm gonna say uh, I reckon you might go for an eight actually. I th- uh, maybe a seven. The seven's been the the mode score so far. How many old How many old Milwaukee's you? Yeah, I think a seven's probably. I'd give it. In fact, I would give it seven French pixie girls, <laughs> <laughs> out to, or dream pixie girls, or whatever they, they call it. Out of um, uh, there is, there, and I think that's kind of hits the nail, kind of on the uh, the head. Is it? It feels very kind of like. How would you say? Like it, it, it's kind of like almost Richard Linklater's like little fantasy. Like, oh yeah, I'd love to be interrailing around around Europe and bump into this really. Except that beautiful... she's not subservient and like she's headstrong as well, you know. And she even says, you know, I, I don't oh, want this yeah, to become. But... You met a French girl on a train and you fucked her and never saw her again. <laughs> true, know? true, but it, she still, but, but then, still, ju- still, but she still is <laughs> being. But yeah, she still is like the dream little pixie girl, sort of French pixie girl. Even though, but she's she's a bit more relatable. But I, I mean, I, I read, I did read the trivia for this, and it did say that something like this actually did happen to Richard Linklater, and he used the. Um, he used that experience and it turned out the girl that he, that this happened with actually died before the film came out which was oh, really, really sad yeah I, I thought... missed that last bit of it. and it's I think yeah. something like this has happened to most people um, and again you think it's only you I remember meeting a girl at like a festival thing not not like a one night stand but like meeting having a nice connection and then meeting up with her a couple of weeks later and she said I was in two minds as to whether or not to meet up again because I I wanted I thought when I'm older I can meant I could just think about that guy I had a connection with that one time you know and then actually we went on dates and it didn't really work out and it's kind of like yeah it would have been better to just have that like one meeting kind of experience um yeah mm. let's get to the quiz then let's see yeah. how well you know the film so Dakota as the expert you are the standby on the quiz Hugh's gets, Hugh gets the first go at it and then uh, you get to chip in if he doesn't get it right um, well if you, if you have <laughs> if you had read, read the trivia on IMDb you'll notice about 80% of the trivia was all based on this, <laughs> the answer to this fucking question so, so question sorry. number one on what date did they meet? Uh, it's June 16th. Yeah. Stop it's... reading the IMD tri- IMDb <laughs> trivia of the films that you've been recommended. Stop <laughs> using the trivia as the uh, source of your uh, quizzes. Well, this guy's a professional anyway. teacher, by the way, kids. Number two, what's <laughs> Jesse's actual name? Uh, it's James. Very but good. Again, the trivia. Jesse James. James Joyce links, yeah. all this. Yeah. Jesse James as well. There we go. Uh, number three, what's his ex-girlfriend's name? Lisa. Oh, really thought you were going to get that wrong. Yeah. And where was I, I, I had an ex-girlfriend called Lisa, so <laughs> yeah, I, I feel his pain. Um, go on, sorry. Uh, and where, where was he meeting her? Madrid. Madrid, very good. Okay, this one uh, you might not get. What was the name of the play the two Austrians were putting on? Oh damn it! I knew you were going to ask this. I knew I, I knew I should have gone back and uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember some. Any any words of the title that stick out? I don't know. It's Mineshaften Einzer Cow. <laughs> they do give the English title to Kota. Oh, how, uh, how is it like Dakota. Henrietta the Cow? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's certainly about the cow. Bring me the horns of Wilmington's cow. 
Wilmington. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm the cow, he says. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it smokes and everything. <laughs> <laughs> According to Celine and Jesse, what evolutionary mechanism helps old couples to stay together without killing each other? Oh, it's that men stop hearing at a higher register and women stop hearing at a lower <laughs> register. That's right. So poor Dakota didn't get much of a chance there with any of those questions, but you got four out of five, I think. Well done, Hugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a success. Yeah. Great success. Um, the only thing that remains to be asked... Hang on, I'm still celebrating here. Oh, I sorry, bask, so bask a little bit more. The best. <laughs> well, I, I was taking note worrying that you were going to like ask some quiz questions, so maybe I can have some. How oh, much, uh, oh, how much oh, uh, did it cost oh, for them oh. to get into the club? It sorry? Cost, oh, it's used, Hugh goes first. What was the question? How much did it cost for them to get into the club where they were playing uh, the pinball? I can't remember. He gives. I know he gives him a hundred or something, doesn't he? Which is I, I don't. What currency did they used to use in Austria before the euro? Was it like Austrian Reichsmarks or something like that? It said shillings, I think. Didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I heard shillings, and he talks yeah. about shillings. I'm like, the hell does Ethan Hawke know about shillings? <laughs> it was fifty shillings each, wasn't it? A hundred. Uh, it was three shillings each. Three shillings. The credit. The subtitles say uh, fifty. Did it? Oh, mm. maybe I wrote it down wrong. Okay. <laughs> we'll agree that we're both right. <laughs> you're the guest. How, you're right. uh, how old uh, was Celine in the movie? She was 23. And how did we figure that out? Because she said she was 13 at the 10 years ago. <laughs> but the actress <laughs> the cemetery. was 24 or 5. When, well, she was 24 or 5 when the film was made. She's actually <laughs> a little older. And the last question what train track were they going to meet on? Oh, that's good. Oh, do they say platform? Don't they say the platform they're going to meet on? It's 16? No. No, Sam? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. No. You'll have to Close to Harry Potter, just nine. Was it? I was going <laughs> to say nine as well, and then I thought, no, it can't be nine. And that's why I went with 16. No, it's <sighs> June the 16th, wasn't it? So that, that might be what's there. Uh, and at, and at <laughs> what time? What time are they going to meet? Six o'clock. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep, 6pm. Very good. Um, right, Hugh, my last question. For, well, I've got two questions for you, Hugh. Would you recommend yep. this film, which we sometimes remember to ask? Uh, yeah, I would recommend this film, Sam. It's, um, yeah, I don't know who I'd recommend it to, but I'd, def- I'd recommend it to someone young, if that makes sense. You know, somebody who's like 20, 21, 22, maybe. Well, basically, anyone, Ethan Hawke's age and below in this film. <laughs> I think once you get past a certain age they, they they become a bit cliche and a bit is this the cynicism that Dakota worried about this is probably about? a bit of the cynicism Dakota worried about <laughs> it's all shit <laughs> life and love it's just a just, just chemical imbalance it's a lie <laughs> made by card companies to just sell our genes trying to out. replicate themselves <laughs> evolutionary <laughs> toil <laughs> <laughs> the other major question Hugh in terms of looking to the future is what film are we going to do next week we've not discussed this so you can just spring it on me what film we're going to do no we haven't discussed it have we um, that is a good that is a very very this sounds like you're filling while you're looking in your phone <laughs> Hugh. I, I won't lie to you <laughs> I had a film for you didn't I oh, you did anonymous I think it was yes that's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do the 2011 film called Anonymous. What Sam, Dakota, either of you, do you know anything about it? I know nothing. Dakota's is this the Shakespearean one? 
Yeah, it's, it's okay. Not the I best have film seen that world, one, but it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's an interesting one. Yeah, I uh, yeah. every year I, I do something what's what's called the Oscars Death Race, where you try to watch every single Oscar nominated yeah. movie, and that yeah. was nominated for Best Costumes the year it came out, and so I, I watched it. It's an interesting <laughs> one. Yeah, it's not what an obligation it, <laughs> to have to watch. Oh, this got Best Costume. Fuck's sake! All right, okay, let's let's stick this one on then. I bet there's short films are the Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to do Anonymous, the 2011 film, I think it was, um, basically because it's an interesting premise, and I think we've got some. I think there's some mileage in it that we can talk about it. All right, I, I don't recognise anything. I don't know anything about it. I might it, see it and go, "Oh yeah, I recognise the, the trailer or whatever." Yeah. Uh, the key thing for me to focus on, though, to go, uh, in, look into the future is uh, what have you got coming up on the show? What can the listeners uh, look forward to? You mentioned you've got. Um, what do you say you've got coming up? I've totally forgotten. What, what's coming up on the uh, Contra Zoom pod? <laughs> well, talking about it earlier, just put out my History of Neon episode, which was a solo one where, where I did a ton of great research, and, and I hope people like and enjoy that one as much as the, the Criterion and A24 ones. And then next week's episode, which will come out shortly after this drops, is uh, going to be our, our, our top five neon That's releases right. so far. So we're just going to be talking about our favorite ones made, distributed by the company. But then after that, I've got another pair of episodes. First up is um, I'm doing David Fincher Ranked. So I, I'm watching all 10 David Fincher films that have been released so far, and I'm going to talk about all 10 of them with a guest. And then the one after that, I've, I've got these these two really smart, intelligent British guys coming <laughs> on. Um, they have their own show. Is it that other uh, podcast you were thinking about earlier? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that must be it. Uh, no, the two of you are going to be on the show because we're going to continue the David Fincher theme, and we're going to compare Citizen Kane to his new movie, Mank, which is about the writing of Citizen Kane. I couldn't be more excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great. It's uh, I've still never finished Citizen Kane, so that is going to be something to it's just... It's on the iPlayer, Sam. It's plugging one of the big gaps. So this is the thing, you know, it's constant theme. I'm not a film buff. I've got too many gaps in my film knowledge to be a film buff. This is going to be a lot of fun together. It, yeah, it's one of those movies where, like, you, you sort of just have to see just to be able to be like, all right, I know my... my my grade one math I, I you know <laughs> I, I can pass the easy stuff I know what the two plus two is and I can do the harder stuff after that <laughs> this is a movie I <laughs> this is a movie I do love and and I sort of bristle at when when people are like eh it's overrated there, there's a lot of great stuff in this and I think it still holds up I think the issue is you've got people who were raised on you know CGI Latin films and and don't know really how to go back and they're told that this is the greatest movie ever yeah. made and they go and watch and they're like what is this garbage it's slow it's complicated <laughs> it's weird pacing it's black and white not for me but I, I do have a real affinity. there is of course there is of course a link to Before Sunrise do either of you know the link uh, between Awesome Wells and Sunrise Before Sunrise no sorry what it's, was that uh, do, do either of you know the link between Awesome Wells and Before Sunrise no, no, what is it? So, Hugh, you read the IMDb trivia. The oh, Ferris wheel is the same oh, Ferris yeah. wheel that they used in The Third Man. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. Which, I love which that I movie. I believe was my first Orson Welles film. Because, you know, it's a, it's a name you've heard a million times, and you go, people really respect this guy. And he he spends about, what, two-thirds of the film, not he's been talked about, Harry Lyon, but he's not turned mm-hmm. up. And he turns up and you go, wow. I don't know why, but all I want to do is watch this guy. It's not yeah. that he's incredibly handsome, but he totally steals the the film that you know in a very good way. 
I almost named my podcast The Third Man. But, you oh, know, really? there's some guy named Jack White that has a bigger company with that name that I, I didn't want to be confused for. <laughs> wow. Very smart. Very smart. Well, I can't wait to watch that and be on some on your podcast. It's going to be well, legitimate you, podcast. It's going to be strange yeah. having to cut uh, running the show. To be honest, <laughs> been on twice now. Yeah, Sam, Sam's, Sam's no longer going to boss us around. That's Sorry. right. <laughs> Sam isn't going to bully us. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. So, listen, if you. <laughs> if you've joined us for the first time because you because uh, you listen to ContraZoom and hopefully to cut us, uh, you know, plug this to high heaven on on Twitter and all the, all the things. Then welcome to the show. Feel free to look back at the cat, back Hi. catalog. <laughs> if you've never listened to ContraZoom Pod, I can't say it enough. Do listen to it. It's got a Dude. good blend of the histories and the chats and all the stuff. And the make remake is what the that's basically the Mank uh, Citizen Kane thing, isn't it? Part of the make remake series. It is, yes, and it's going to be different because normally, you know, the, the last one I think I did was The Invisible Man, which, you know, it's very easy That's right. to, be, and you did to remake. Rebecca quite recently, I think. Is, is oh, that yeah, that, that was yeah. the most recent one. Thank you. You know my show better than I do. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> what can that. I say? So, th- so this isn't going to be a traditional make-remake because normally we're, we're talking about how a, a movie goes about telling the same story in two different ways, whereas this is, mm-hmm. you know, we're watching a movie and then we're watching sort of a fabricated retelling about how the movie was made. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting rules. to dive into that. Absolutely. Are you going, just out of interest, are you going to be um, looking at this um, new Godfather film, that's this new Coda that uh, Francis Ford Coppola has released, this new edit, are you going to be comparing the old version and the new version with that? Uh, I, I, I've seen it. I, I, I saw that it came out. I don't know if I'm going to cover it on the show. I've never yeah. seen Godfather Part 3. I've only seen the first two. And, uh-huh. I, and I did just rewatch both of them somewhat recently in the last year or so. And I'm the kind of guy that uh, I, I like my moving movie spacing to be about five years apart. I don't like revisiting <laughs> movies very often. <laughs> Yeah, that's why you like the before trilogy so much. Nine years yes. each time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you just have to digest and uh, <laughs> now, Hugh, I've got another important question for you. If the oh, yeah. listener wants to get in touch with us and tell us about their favourite ContraZoom Pod episode, how could they do that? Well, what they need to do is uh, six months from now they need to meet us on a platform nine in Vienna train station <laughs> and perhaps hand us like a, a list of writing that they've done, and we'll then answer the question. <laughs> I mean, Fantastic. if you can think of another way to communicate with people, I'm all ears. Well, I suppose because it is 2020, I don't right. know if, that, if you, there's an email thing. Do we have an email address? Well, yeah, we do actually. It's, oh, uh, right. If you okay. get in touch with us, it's uh, pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Yes, it's .com. Yeah. <laughs> My brain went, is it .co.uk? No, it's .com. Yeah, and you can CEO use your word UK. processor. <laughs> I love how he's complaining about word processors. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, it was the 90s. It's uh, the 90s, if, man. If email is a bit too much of a stretch for you, do get in touch with us on Twitter, sort of on Instagram, sort of on Facebook, at pleasewatchpod. Yeah. Dakota, if they, if they want to get in touch with you and ask you all kinds of questions about whatever they want to ask about, uh, how could they do it? Uh, everywhere is at ContraZoom Pod, so I'm super easy to find that way. Uh, I have a website too, ContraZoomPod.com, where all the shows are listed. Fantastic. Lovely stuff. I think it's All been... that remains to say is thank you, Dakota. Yeah, it's been great. Great having you, Dakota. I mean, t- yeah, thanks for coming on once again. Well, you know. bye. <laughs> Wait, no, I stole your thunder. <laughs> He's got it down. He Let's do it synchronized. Listening. Three, yeah, two, one. See you later. Bye. bye. Ha, 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 ha.